Welcome to Reclaiming the Faith with Phil Baker, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. You can find links to all of Phil's resources at philsbaker.com. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today and take a moment to share this podcast with your friends. Now, here's Phil. Hey, y'all, this is episode 118, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking about a group of Jewish people in Jesus's day named the Essenes, and how their beliefs and values are reflected in some of Jesus's teachings and the lifestyles of the apostles in the book of Acts, and yet how also some of their beliefs and teachings Jesus would have rejected. So we'll compare and contrast the beliefs and values of the Essenes to Jesus and the apostles. If you're blessed by this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review on my Apple podcast channel, Reclaiming the Faith. And if you've gotten my new book, Faithful Witness, The Early Church's Theology of Martyrdom, please consider leaving a rating and review on my Amazon page. That would truly be a blessing for me. My book, Faithful Witness, The Early Church's Theology of Martyrdom, is out, and you can purchase it uh, in many areas, one being Amazon, where you can find paperback, digital, and audio versions of the book. And again, if it's been a blessing to you, please consider leaving a rating and review there. I also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash philsbaker, where for $5 or more a month, you get access to my giant backlog of videos I've done on early Christians and early Christian writings and also acoustic versions of my songs, but you'll also get copies there on Patreon to my catalog, my music catalog, uh, probably about 75% of it, and also audio versions of each chapter of my new book, Faithful Witness. So please consider becoming a monthly supporter of this ministry. I'm blessed to be a part of Omega Frequency, so please go check out everything we do there on our two YouTube channels, Omega Frequency and Omega Frequency Live. VDK is putting out just a tremendous amount of great material. And tomorrow, Wednesday, December 22nd, BDK and I are going to be getting back into the Didache as we've been breaking it down every other week. This is going to be live on YouTube at 2 p.m. Central, so be sure to check that out. If you're not already subscribed to the Omega Frequency channels, please hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified every time we go live. All right, well, without any further ado, let's get into episode 118. All right, well, as I'm getting into this uh, episode on the Essenes, just want to let you know I'm pulling my data from folks like Hippolytus, Josephus, Pliny the Elder, uh, and also Ray Vanderlaan, who's done some really good work on the Essenes. I'll put a couple of links to to some of his resources on the Essenes, which are just fantastic. So, all right, about 150 years before the birth of Jesus, some of God's people, Jewish people called the Essenes, they established a community in the Judean wilderness near the northern end of the Dead Sea to prepare the way for the Lord so that he would come and dwell among them. We know this area as Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. The Essenes spent a lot of time in study and in careful copying of their sacred texts, and it's these scrolls 
probably hidden when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in the first Jewish revolt that are known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. So let's get into what Hippolytus had to say about the Essenes. And Hippolytus is strongly leaning on Josephus's descriptions of the Essenes as well. So just keep that in mind as we're going. Now we're going to start, uh, this is in Hippolytus' Refutations Against All Heresies, Book 8, Chapter 13, where he begins to describe the Jewish sects. And again, he's pulling strongly from Josephus, the first century uh, Jew who was a general and then in the Jewish army and then changed allegiances basically and began to work for uh, the Romans uh, as a historian. So uh, Hippolytus, quoting Josephus, writes, for there is a division among them into three sorts speaking of the Jews, adherents of the first are the Pharisees, but of the second, the Sadducees, while the rest are the Essenes. Speaking of the Essenes, he says, these practice a more devotional life, being filled with mutual love and being temperate, and they turn away from every act of inordinate desire, being averse even to the hearing of the things of the sort. Keep in mind, uh, Paul from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where he says to rejoice always and pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, holding fast to what is good and abstaining from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing back to uh, Hippolytus, he says, and they renounce matrimony. Now, this is definitely where uh, Jesus and the apostles would disagree. Think about uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 telling us, to not forbid matrimony, though he says it's it's better if we don't marry, then we can be completely devoted to the Lord. Now, to be fair, uh, certain there are like different denominations you could say of the Essenes as well, and one of those groups allowed for marriage, um, but uh, was very strict in the choosing of a of a mate and uh, how that marriage would work out. But yeah, just to be fair, one, one branch of the Essenes did allow for it, though most renounced it. Continuing, Hippolytus writes, But they take the boys of others and thus have offspring begotten for them, and they lead these adopted children into observance of their own particular customs. Now, this is cool. This is something that you see the early Christians doing, taking uh, discarded children um, orphans into their own families, something they were very famous for. And we read about James in chapter one saying, pure and undefiled religion is looking after widows and orphans in their distress, right? So this is a custom of the Essenes as well, basically how they would have children without being married, you know, adopting kids, which is awesome. All right. Now he continues, he says, women... However, 
even though they may be disposed to adhere to the same course of life, they do not admit in as much as no way whatsoever have they confidence in women. So basically, Hippolytus talking about the Essenes is saying that the Essenes do not let women become disciples, in a sense. They don't let women into the group. Now, this definitely is against the practice of Jesus and the disciples. We read in Luke chapter 8, many women are following Jesus as his disciples, like uh, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, right, Susanna. And then we have in Acts chapter 1, not just men continually devoting themselves to prayer, uh, but also with the women, right? So the disciples of Jesus were not just men, but men and women. All right, moving to chapter 14. Hippolytus continues with the tenets of the Essenes. He says that they despise wealth and do not turn away from sharing their goods with those that are destitute. Now, this is a practice definitely commanded by Jesus to give to those who are asking, right? To those that are in need. You see that again in Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats, to really take care of those who are poor, those who in the community that are poor, that uh, are naked, hungry, thirsty, all of that stuff, right? And Jesus also talks about the danger of wealth, how it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, though he says it's not impossible with God. Continuing, Hippolytus writes, No one among them, however, enjoys a greater amount of riches than another. Well, that's different there than uh, the early Christians and the apostles, because even though they're being very generous with one another, they're not enforcing like something like communism right, where everybody's getting paid the same amount, that kind of an idea. That's not going on at all in the early Christians. There is a disparity of wealth, though they are holding all things in common to, you know, if that makes sense. There's uh, what's yours is mine, what mine is yours, but that's not being enforced. It's just the spirit of generosity and fellowship and mutual love and affection, right, that's pervading the early Christians there in Acts. Hippolytus continues, and he says that a regulation is with them and with the Essenes that an individual coming forward to join the sect must sell his possessions and present the price of them to the community. And on receiving the money, the head of the order distributes it to all according to their necessities. It sounds very much like what's going on in Acts chapter 2, except, again, in order to become a disciple of Jesus, you did not have to sell possessions, and like, you were not required to sell possessions and give the money to the presiding elders who would distribute it to those who had need, though we see that happening. It was not a requirement. It's something that the Holy Spirit was prompting believers to do out of love for God and neighbor. All right, Hippolytus continues, and they do not use oil regarding it as a defilement to be anointed. Now, this is different than uh, the early Christians. Again, we look in James chapter 5 that 
we are told to, you know, if we're in, dis- in sick or in distress, to go to the elders who will um, anoint that person with oil, right? Interesting stuff. We see Jesus being anointed with oil. Hippolytus continues, And there are appointed overseers who take care of all things that belong to them in common, and they always appear in white clothing. All right, so in the early Christian community, we do have appointed overseers. We see that in First um, Timothy 3, First uh, Timothy 5, Titus chapter 1, right? Um, but we don't, we're not told about the early Christians' clothing, that they all dress in white or anything like that. It's just kind of a, a particular style of the Essenes. Let's move on to chapter 15. We have these tenets continued. Hippolytus writes, And if any of the adherents of the sect may be present from a strange place, they consider that all things are in common for him, and those whom they had not previously known, they receive as if they belong to their household and kindred. So here we see the Essenes practicing Passages like Hebrews 13, where it's telling us to, you know, let strangers in and and welcome them, right? We see uh, that kind of a theme also uh, in Matthew 25, like reaching out to the people that need help, um, giving them help in their time of need, right? Uh, Again, uh, continuing with Hippolytus in chapter 15, he writes, and they traverse their native land, and on each occasion that they go on a journey, they carry nothing except arms. Now, this is interesting. A sword, right? Jesus told his disciples not to carry arms, and here Hippolytus is saying that the Essenes don't take anything with them except arms. We're going to come back to um, why that is in a minute, all right? What they're allowed to do, what they're not. Let's jump forward. So now we're getting into chapter 17 of the tenets of the Essenes. And he writes that they are anxious that mercy and assistance be extended to those that are burdened with toil. Think Matthew 25. And especially they abstain from wrath and anger and all such passions inasmuch as they consider these to be treacherous to man. Think about Ephesians 4 and James 1. And no one amongst them is in the habit of swearing, but whatever one says, this is regarded more binding than an oath. Think Matthew 5 and James 5. If, however, one will swear, he is condemned as one unworthy of credence. Again, Matthew 5, James 5. Let's continue. Okay, we're moving to chapter 18, and we begin to discuss Uh, how someone would become a member of the Essene sect. Hippolytus writes, To those who wish to become disciples of the sect, they do not immediately deliver the rules unless they have previously tried them. So, uh, the Essenes are not letting people just immediately join the movement, which is kind of contrary to how Jesus approach things, right? You know, Jesus was saying, hey, you guys follow me. He'd say that straight to a tax collector like Matthew, and Matthew would just begin to follow him, right? Now, we did, we do begin to see uh, this type of approach start to be practiced later in the first century. We see it in things like the Didache, where people are taught 
the way of Christ before really being brought in uh, in an official capacity to be baptized, and it becomes more and more of a um, of a practice in the early Christians' approach throughout those first three centuries. But let's continue. Now, for the space of a year, they set before the candidate some food, while the latter continued to live in a different house outside the Essenes' own place of meeting, and they give to the probationists a hatchet and the linen girdle and a white robe. All right, so for a year, they're, they're not even eating together. They're not living together, but these people are allowed to, to kind of observe um, some of the practices of the Essenes. So they also give them a hatchet and a linen girdle, and uh, what you find is the reason for this hatchet is uh, mostly to be able to, on Sabbath, have a pre-dug hole ready where you can um, do your business and cover that up. So kind of an interesting practice for the Essenes. Uh, anyway, let's continue. Hippolytus writes, when at the expiration of this period, the one year, if one affords proof of self-control, he approaches nearer to the sex method of living, and he is washed more purely than before. Not as yet, however, does he partake of food along with the Essenes, for after having furnished evidence as to whether he is able to acquire self-control, but for two years the habit of a person of this description is on trial, and when he has appeared deserving... He is thus reckoned amongst the members of the sect. So you got to prove it for two years, your self-control and your commitment to righteous living. That is not exactly the way Jesus and the apostles did it. Previous, however, this is uh, Hippolytus again, however, to his being allowed to partake of a repast along them, he is bound under fearful oaths. First, that he will worship the divinity, Next, that he will observe just dealings with men, and that he will in no way injure anyone, and that he will not hate a person who injures him or is hostile to him, but pray for them. All right, so, uh, you know, the early Christians, though they're not supposed to take oaths, they, they did take two oaths. You, they called them oaths at the end of the second century, beginning of the third, being baptism in the Lord's Supper. Now, uh, Pliny, when he is writing to Trajan, talks about how the early Christians basically swear to not do evil, to not hurt other people, to follow the way of Jesus. And this is something that the Essenes were doing. And so this really uh, gives us some commentary on what they are allowed to do with their arms. If you remember Hippolytus saying that the Essenes are not allowed to carry anything except arms, so like a sword. But what are they supposed to do with that sword? Well, they're taking oaths that they will not injure anyone or hate anyone who injures them or is hostile to them, but instead pray for them. It sounds a lot like Matthew 5. And it shed some commentary on Luke 22 as well when Jesus tells the disciples to take two swords. Is he permitting them to defend themselves when people are hurting them? It doesn't seem like that. It seems like in Luke 22, and I'm going to do a podcast on this whole episode, uh, 
uh, sorry, on that whole uh, chapter, but it seems like there's something else going on there. With the Essenes, it would seem then that the swords that they carry are not from protection from people, but rather from harmful predator animals. All right. Just something to consider since they're allowed to have arms, but not there to, they're not allowed to use those to injure people, even if the people are injuring them. Okay. Let's continue. So Hippolytus writes, they argue that a person of authority does not happen to anyone without God. And if the Essene himself is to be a ruler, he swears that he will not conduct himself at any time arrogantly or in the, in the exercise of power, nor be prodigal, nor resort to any adornment or a greater state of magnificence than the usage permits. Now, one thing to consider here is that Josephus writes that the Essenes attributed everything to God's sovereignty. So they had what we would think of as like a reformed version of sovereignty, where every single thing that happens, happens because God has ordained it to happen before the foundation of the world, and that humans do not have free will. Now that differs from the beliefs of the Pharisees who held uh, more of an early Christian view of sovereignty and free will, where that everything that happens happens because God or allowed it to happen, but humans have the ability to do both good and bad um, because God has created us with free will. So he, God is not ordaining uh, everything to happen, though he allows everything to happen. Some things he does ordain, he can do what he wants in a sense, um, but yeah, it's not so. It's not like a determinism where the Essenes viewed everything that's happening as determined by God. Let's continue. So, like uh, Hippolytus says, the Essenes can be rulers, but they're they're supposed to be righteous in a sense. Whereas the early Christians did not allow uh, people to be to did not allow fellow Christians to be in positions of governing authority in a secular sense, any position that they uh, wore the purple or uh, could put someone to death, held the power of the sword, the Christians forbade other Christians to adopt those positions. But let's continue. All right, going on to uh, chapter 19, we get into Apollotus describing some of the discipline of the group, and you're going to find this is pretty harsh, right? If any one of them may be condemned for any sin, he is expelled from the order. But one that has been thus excommunicated sometimes perishes by an awful death. For inasmuch as he is bound by the oaths and rites of the sect, he is not able to partake of the food in use among other people. Those that are excommunicated occasionally, therefore, utterly destroy the body through starvation. All right, so check this out. If any one of them is caught in sin, speaking of the Essenes, if anyone is caught in sin, they are immediately excommunicated. But because they have taken these oaths before God that they won't allow, they won't um, depend on food from others or even receive food from others outside the group, what do they do? And the, they have nowhere to eat. 
so they die. And the Essenes inside the group let them die. You can tell how that is not a practice of the early Christians in the Gospels or the book of Acts and any of Paul's letters or the other letters. No, um, this is a way that a place where the Essenes have gone way too far. Think about Paul saying, if anyone is caught in sin, this is in Galatians chapter chapter 6, you who are spiritual need to restore that person with an attitude of gentleness, right? So we need to uh, (laughs) definitely see this contrast with the Essenes. However, however, it's not that the early Christians don't judge. Let's continue. Let's go to chapter 22. But as regards judicial decisions, the Essenes are most accurate and impartial, and they deliver their judgments when they have assembled together. So they are practicing judgment. And guess what? Jesus talks about that too, right? In John, he says that we're to use a righteous judgment. Think about Matthew 18, when someone sins, right? You go and tell them what they've done. You try to win your brother back. You have to point this out. Tertullian writes about the early Christians coming together to judge, but they do so with with sobriety and uh, an eye toward themselves, in a sense, pulling the plank out of the eye, but they're taking this matter of judging very seriously so that they won't be able to be condemned by outsiders. However, they are not kicking someone out of the group for one sin and never trying to restore them, even letting them die, right? They're not, they're not doing that. All right, now let's get to one more, one more chapter from Hippolytus, and then we'll go to a different doctrine or document. All right, so this is chapter 22, and this is talking about the beliefs of the Essenes on the resurrection, He writes, now, the doctrine of the resurrection has also derived support among these, for they acknowledge both that the flesh will rise again and that it will be immortal. All right, so they definitely believed in the resurrection, the bodily resurrection from the dead and the eternal nature of that. All right, the eternal judgment of the wicked and the eternal uh, blessing of from the righteous, or for the righteous. All right, and you can see that in Daniel 12, 1 Corinthians 15, and so on. All right, let's get into a different document. This is a Dead Sea Scroll called Community Rule, or the Manual of Discipline. You can find this online. I'll put a link to uh, the full version of Community Rule, Manual of Discipline, uh, in the show notes. You can check that out. So I just want to read a little bit of that. It says, When they set the table for a meal or prepare wine to drink, the priest is first to put forth his hand to invoke a blessing upon the first portion of the bread and wine. And when these become members of the community in Israel, according to all these rules, they shall separate from the habitation of unjust men and shall go into the wilderness to prepare there the way of him, as it is written, prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a path for our God. This path is the study of the law, which he commanded by the hand of Moses, 
that they may do according to all that has been revealed from day from age to age and as the prophets have revealed by his holy spirit so just a couple of things here you know one in the second part of what we just read they're going out into the wilderness to prepare the way of the lord uh, this is one of the reasons why many believe that john the baptist was a a group of the Essenes coming out from the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, right? And uh, also something that if you heard of that first little bit, when they get together for a meal, the priest invokes a blessing on the bread and the wine. Of course, this is very reminiscent of what the early Christians did together every day, remembering the Lord through the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. So let's continue. There's another document from the Dead Sea Scrolls called the Two Ways. Hmm. Does that sound familiar from like Matthew 7? The broad road that leads to destruction, the narrow road that leads to life, maybe the Romans 8, you know, is your mind set on the flesh or your mind on the spirit? Let's read a little bit from the Two Ways. Quote, now this God created man to rule the world and appointed for him two spirits after whose direction he was to walk until the final inquisition. They are the spirits of truth and perversity. The origin of the truth lies in the fountain of light and that of perversity in the wellspring of darkness. All who practice righteousness are under the domination of the prince of life, lights, and all in ways of light, whereas all who practice perversity are under the domination of the angel of darkness. However, even those who practice righteousness are made liable to error. So you're not only seeing how you have these two ways, but you also see a contrast of light and darkness, right? Which is a major theme of the Essenes, which we're going to get into in a second. And you're also seeing that you either follow the light or you follow the dark. You either, either follow the prince of light or the angel of darkness, right? It's two ways. You either serve God or you serve the devil. And that concept in itself is most uh, clearly demonstrated in another uh, early, sorry, in another Dead Sea Scroll called the War Scroll. And the name of this scroll is the War of the Sons of Light, against the sons of darkness. You're going to see many themes from the war scroll in the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. So, here's an opening to the opening to the to the war scroll and I'll have a copy of that as well in the show notes. For the instructor of the rule of the war, the first attack of the sons of light shall be undertaken against the forces of the sons of darkness, the army of Belial, or Belial. Now, sons of light versus sons of darkness. This theme is constantly shown, this light versus darkness in the Gospel of John, a war of light against darkness. Let's read a few passages from the Gospel of John. This is John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's skip forward to John chapter three, starting in verse 19. This is the judgment that light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as being wrought in God. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And now John chapter 12, starting in verse 27. Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever, so how can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. All right, let's go back to the war scroll, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Belial and also the temple of God. So let's get into this. It says, at that time, the men of the community will constitute a true distinctive temple, a veritable holy of holies, wherein the priesthood may fitly foregather and a true distinctive synagogue made up of laymen who walk in integrity. So the Essenes had renounced the temple. They thought it was defiled. And so it's interesting that they're saying that here at the end times, the true priests, the true men of the community, the, the holy priests of the community are going to make a true temple. They will become the Holy of Holies, where they fight against Belial. Now, think about those words from the war scroll with Paul 
writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. So, how should we look at the Essenes? Well, obviously they had an influence on the early Christians, but like with every community throughout the history of the last 2,000 years, every community across the world would be offended by Jesus's teachings. Though he would be able to relate to them in some way, everyone is called to repent. Everyone. We are called to be sons of light in the way that Jesus describes sons of light. So, let's close with a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now, as to the times and epochs, brothers, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not have escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are asleep or awake, we will live together with him. Let's be those sons of light and be that holy temple of the Lord, following the way of the Lord as we wage war for the Lord against Belial. God bless y'all.
gonna change my ways. Hey! 